Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. Well, as Pastor Ryan uh, shared, we are, we are in a series about living by faith in this, in this uh, point in time as a church that more than ever, we need to really truly believe and not gloss, gloss over what it means to live by faith. Thank you, Courtney, for playing. We're gonna see her in a little bit. Don't you just love the keys playing in the background? Isn't that great? Can we, we can clap for Courtney. Thank you, Courtney. We'll see you on the hour. That's, she knows what I'm talking about. Um, so here we are. You know, living by faith, there's all sorts of great examples in the Bible. Uh, but for me, I think probably some that hit home the most is what does it mean to truly live by faith? Um, for my wife, it's driving in the passenger seat of our car when we're a few minutes late for church. For me, it's driving in the passenger seat of Pastor Ryan's car. Uh, if you want to truly uh, fear the Lord, if you want to come to the, you know, the edge of your existence on earth and see the gates of heaven... I recommend you take a drive with Pastor Ryan. If you want to learn to live by faith, it is driving with him. Stephanie, we had a meeting with the uh, owners of the building, and she and <laughs> Ryan's doing his thing, where he's just cutting into traffic, in and out, and Steph's in the back seat, and she looks over me, and I'm just calm and controlled. And she says, Andrew, how do you do it? And I just said, I'm just praying because I'm going to meet the Lord soon. I just want to be ready. I'm speaking in tongues, and Ryan's just waving at everybody <laughs> as he passes them by. So, uh, you know, faith is, is different for everyone. But today we're going to look at someone in the Bible who risked everything, their whole life, took a bet, and they bet on God ultimately. And, uh, you know, faith is this idea that we can't see what is to come. Even as a church and in our own daily lives, we don't know what's right around the corner. Nobody does. But the best way to live is by faith, believing that God has a good plan for us as we continue to trust in him. Our key text for the series is found in Hebrews chapter 11. I'll read it. It says, faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. And assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. And it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. It's by faith that we believe the entire universe, everything we see was because God spoke it into existence, that it was at his command. Now, in Hebrews chapter 11, it's also known as the chapter of faith. We talked a little bit about this last week, that there are all sorts of these people who are listed as these uh, people to be remembered as like the hallmark of faith. Noah, who obeyed God and built this boat before there was ever any rain for his family that the flood would come. Or this guy Enoch that died by faith because of his belief in God. Or the people of Israel that crossed the Red Sea, but it, it was by faith. And all throughout this chapter, it says, faith is the underlying key. By faith, this happened. By faith, this happened. And the truth is that is still true 
today. The scriptures say that all these people mentioned in the hall of faith died still believing what God had promised them. They did not receive all that was promised, but they saw it from a distance and they welcomed it. These people in the Old Testament didn't have the physical uh, Jesus born into the world, but they believed by faith that there would be a savior because of their belief in God. Now, one of these people who's included in the hall of faith is a lady named Rahab. Uh, the scripture in Hebrews uh, 11.31, she has mentioned, says it was by faith that Rahab, the prostitute, was not destroyed with the people in her city who refused to obey God, for she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. Now, interesting, the Bible clearly defines Rahab as a prostitute. They don't back away from it. And here she is in the hall of faith, Rahab, the prostitute. Now, let me just encourage you. That's good news for all of us in the room today, okay? It's a little quieter than I expected that to be. So let me paint a little bit of a picture of the story they're gonna walk through today, the story of Rahab. Now, uh, here was Joshua. He was commanding the Israelites, and they were about to go into the promised land. Now, this was 40 years after he was the original spy, well, one of the original spies that went into the promised land. If you remember that story 40 years earlier, and him and Caleb were the only two of the 12 to come back and say, yes, the land is full of giants, but the Lord has given us the land and we can take it. Let's go. The other 10 were like, we're too afraid. They're really big and really scary. I, I'm sure I saw Shaquille O'Neal. We're not going in there. And now, interesting, in the, script, in the scripture it says, if we bring it up on the screen, it says in Joshua chapter 2 that Joshua secretly sent out two spies from the Israelite camp at Acacia Grove. So here they are. They're going to go into the town of Jericho before they attack it. And the city had great fortified walls. So it said he instructed them, scout out the land on the other side of the Jordan River, especially around Jericho. So the two men set out and came to the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there that night. But someone told the king of Jericho, some Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent orders to Rahab, bring out the men who have come into your house, for they have come here to spy out the whole land. Rahab had hidden the two men, but she replied, yes, the men were here earlier, but I didn't know where they were from. They left the town at dusk as the gates were about to close. I don't know where they went. If you hurry, you can probably catch up with them. Actually, she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them beneath bundles of flax she had laid out. So the king's men went looking for the spies along the road, leading to the shallow crossings of the Jordan River. And as soon as the king's men had left, the gate of Jericho was shut. We'll just pause here for a quick second as we read through some of these scriptures this morning. Why a prostitute's home? Why would these two Israelite spies go into Rahab's house of all the places? Now, there's a few different reasons, but I'm going to give you a couple of the practical ones this morning, is that ultimately they would be less uh, suspicious. So people in the city knew that there could be potential tax at any time and spies coming in. There would be less questions or no questions asked by someone going into this prostitute's home. And Rahab's home was also positioned in the city walls. So it was an ideal location for a quick escape. Now, it's interesting that uh, Rahab actually 
sends the king's men on a wild goose chase. She could have lost her life. She risked everything to tell, to essentially tell the king's men, no, they're gone. Why would she hide them? Why would she risk everything in her life to help these two spies? We'll continue reading in verse eight. It says, before the spies went to sleep that night, Rahab went up on the roof to talk with them. I know the Lord has given you this land, she told them. We are all afraid of you. Everyone in the land is living in terror, for we have heard how the Lord made a dry path for you through the Red Sea when you left Egypt. It continues on. And we know that you, what you did to Sihon and Og, the two Ammonite kings east of the Jordan River, whose people you completely destroyed. No wonder our hearts have melted in fear. No one has the courage to fight after hearing such things. For the Lord your God is the supreme God of the heavens above and the earth below. Now, Rahab's words were, I know the Lord has given you this land. Interesting, Rahab didn't have ancestors that worshiped Yahweh God. She wasn't part of a small group at her local church assembly. Uh, she wasn't raised in the church. She wasn't a part of her church. This was a land of Gentiles, a land of people who didn't fear God, of idol worship and human sacrifice and all sorts of disturbing things. But what she had was a little bit of information gathered by bits and pieces. Some talk at the marketplace, a chat at the well, a conversation around the city gates. And little by little, she picked up this information. And the scripture says that she had heard. She had heard how God was victorious for this people. And then Rahab is able to spout out these two miracles to these spies who arrived in her home with instant, unaided, automatic recall. She says, I know God's given you this land because I remember people telling me about these stories about how these two kings attacked you guys 40 years ago when you were trying to pass through the land and they wouldn't let you and they attacked you and they were completely destroyed. The people does not exist anymore. It's not proper English, but you hear what I'm saying. The people don't exist no more. That's probably not any better, but it sounds kind of cooler, right youth? So she... She believed in God's power because of the stories she had heard. The stories of how God did miracles for his people and how they escaped these insurmountable situations with these terrible odds. Can I ask today, what's your story? What pit has God saved you from? What odds were you up against or what odds are you up against today? Let me share this with you and encourage you. Do not underestimate the power of your story, the power of your testimony. 
your friends, your family, your neighbors, they're not going to come into this place and get saved because we have really delicious coffee, which we do. Thank you, First Impressions team. And we have amazing signage and we have a beautiful LED screen. Those things are all great. But people are going to come into the house of God, sense his presence and his nearness, and allow themselves to surrender their life to Jesus Christ because they've heard some stories. Maybe they've heard your story, how God brought you up out of that pit. And they're like, wow, you too? I'm going through the same thing. Why don't you come to church with me? They're going to see people get water baptized, symbolizing death, burial, and resurrection. I'm preaching better than you guys are responding. They're going to see life change and transformation take place right here. Those are the stories that we get to share and the miracles that God is doing in our church and will continue to. Amen. She heard some stories. Rahab was filled with faith. She didn't know these people. She didn't see these victories, but she believed without seeing. And that, my friends, is faith. Not because I've seen it, because I believe it without seeing it. So Rahab believed by faith in the mighty and the miraculous power of God. And then she praises him saying, the Lord, your God is the supreme God of the heavens above and the earth below. She had a confident hope that she would be saved. And now the point of decision that impacts the rest of her life and generations to come is here. These spies come knocking at the door and the point of decision. And she says, I want to be saved. And in, in, we'll continue the, the scripture in uh, verse 12. It says, she said to the spies, now swear to me by the Lord that you will be kind to me and my family since I have helped you. Give me some guarantee that when Jericho is conquered, you will let me live along with my father and my mother, my brothers and my sisters and all their families. She really got along with her siblings. Can, is that it for anyone today? Everly and Jack, can you hear me today? We offer our own lives as a guarantee for your safety, the men agreed. If you don't betray us, we will keep our promise and be kind to you when the Lord gives us the land. Then, since Rahab's house was built in the town wall, she let them down by a rope through the window. Escape to the hill country, she told them. Hide there for three days from the men searching for you. Then when they have returned, you can go on your way. Now, the spies had told her to leave a scarlet rope specifically hanging through the window, the same rope that they were let down on was this red scarlet rope. That's how they would identify the home when they came to attack and completely destroy this city, this well-fortified city with giant walls. And here was Rahab's home out the window with this scarlet rope. They told her that your family will be safe. Your mother your brother, your father, all your relatives, but they must be in the house when we attack. If they're out in the streets, they're not our problem. We won't take responsibility for that. But we, with our lives, the spy said, take responsibility for those who are in the, in the, in the home. Now, this scarlet red rope symbolizes 
the blood of Jesus Christ. Just as we took communion today and we remember the body with the bread and the blood with the wine, that this represented the same as the, the Passover when the blood was painted over the doors and the angel of the Lord would pass over the homes. And here Rahab's home is protected by the blood of Jesus Christ. And Rahab's faith wasn't just for herself. Rahab's faith was for her family too. Charles Spurgeon said, it will be of no use when you die to say, spare me, O avenging angel. My mother prayed for me. My sister agonized for my conversion. No, you must personally get into Christ yourself and have a real faith in him or no prayers of others can be of any avail for you. But the mercy was that somehow Rahab was helped by God to bring all her family in. Her father did not say, no, my girl, I do not believe in it. Some of you have fathers who say that. Pray hard for them. And the mother did not say, my child, you're mad. I've always thought you a little affected in the brain. Do not come teaching your mother. No, but mother came too. All her family came into the house. Now, he says, wherever there is a real child of God, there will be anxiety for his family. If you do not want to have your children saved, you are not saved yourselves. It's easier for him to say that than me. How interesting that Rahab was not just concerned for herself. Her faith went beyond the walls of her own life and situation and proved the reality of her faith and what she hoped for, that she wanted not just herself to be saved, but her whole family. But they had to be in the home. If they were in the streets and the battle started and some guy's like, hey, don't kill me. I'm Rahab's second brother's cousin on the other side, we make Lefsa Thursday night, or uh, oh no, I'm, I'm with Rahab. We go golfing every Tuesday. She's just a great golfer. They would be dead, probably because they lied about how good they are at golf. But they had to be in her house, covered by the blood of Jesus to be saved. As we Consider maybe our own family and friends and relatives or people that you meet on your street. Would we have a, a red scarlet banner to the world to say, man, there's a God who saves. There's a God who sees whatever your situation right now, but it's only through the blood of Jesus through which you can be saved. Can we pray for our family? Can we pray for those that need Jesus? Now the spies returned and they said to Joshua, the Lord has given us the land. Everyone is terrified of us. God's reputation had preceded them. Now, this is quite different than what it was 40 years ago. Now, they are ready to go in and to take the land. Now, they have to cross the Jordan River, and they, they get to the point where the walls are fortified, and of course, they bring out their trumpets again. They play a mad tune, and all the walls of Jericho start tumbling, and they can get right in past the city walls. And Joshua spared Rahab the prostitute and her relatives who are with her in the house. Now, consider this. 
all the walls of Jericho came tumbling down. But yet Rahab, whose home was in the city walls, was untouched. I don't think that's because she had better building materials or chose a better home builder or had Crystal Creek Homes, shameless plug, build her home. No, it's because her foundation was built on Jesus Christ. Come on, that's a good one. That her faith was beyond the physical. That she believed, I don't know what's gonna happen, but I believe by faith that I'm gonna be saved. I will risk my life telling the king to go on a wild goose chase because I believe in this God who I've heard these stories about and I'm ready to risk it all. God directed the spies to Rahab's house because he knew that her heart would be open to him. That she would not allow her current situation to get in the way of her new role as a servant of the Lord. Sometimes we're in a really good position in life. Maybe that's you today. Things are good. But it's when we're at our weakest, we're at our lowest. In a position like Rahab, where God says, I can use you. In fact, I love doing this. It's all throughout scripture. He loves using the weak. Rahab had a simple yet active faith. She did what she could right where she was. She was presented with an opportunity and she took it. She wasn't waiting for tomorrow. The spies came to her house and she said, today is the day that I'm gonna be saved, that my family's gonna be saved. She didn't need to go on some fantastic, you know, adventure or wait till all these things happen before she started serving the Lord. The opportunity prevented herself, presented itself in this normal way and she just said, I believe. I've heard the stories and I believe by faith. I haven't seen it, but I believe that that God, your God, I wanna be my God too. God uses these people with these messed up pasts regardless of your past or present circumstances, regardless of how insignificant Rahab felt or you might feel today, he uses these people. Maybe there's something in front of you right now that God has placed, an opportunity that might look pretty normal. There may be extraordinary calls that come in your life, but most of them come while we're just doing our daily stuff. It's not this big aha moment. It's just all of a sudden you're working away at 2.15 on some idle Tuesday and then God presents an opportunity to you. And you have, you have a choice to make. How will I respond in this? Gideon was threshing wheat and the angel of the Lord appeared. Moses was uh, tending sheep. The disciples were fishing when Jesus called them. That'd be a hard thing to break away from. God, we're, we're fishing. Jesus, you want me to stop fishing to serve you? Easier for some than others. So the years of Rahab working as a prostitute, the years of shame, discouragement, guilt, condemnation, people not even wanting to come near her or into her home, all of that 
the whole, her whole life was in the past and she was completely restored. She had a new life in Jesus Christ. And Rahab, they said that Rahab, they, they took her and her family away and, and uh, placed her near a, a safe camp in the Israelite camp. And she was, she was grafted in to the Israelite family. Now, uh, physically and spiritually, because Rahab uh, married a guy named Salmon. With a name like that, pretty irresistible. So of course, she married this guy named Salmon. Salmon was the father of Boaz. Boaz was the father of Obed. Obed was the father of Jesse. Jesse was the father of King David. Rahab was King David's great, great grandmother. All the way down the line till we get to Jesus Christ. God chose Rahab to be a part of the family line of Jesus Christ. So he says, if you think your situation your past is too messed up or your sin is too great, you're wrong. The birth line of Jesus Christ came from Rahab, the prostitute. Now, interesting that we still know her as Rahab, the prostitute. She's mentioned in the book of James and in Hebrews and in the genealogy of Jesus Christ, still with the title Rahab, the prostitute. Not because her identity was as Rahab the prostitute, but it's a reminder to the reader, to us today, that God chose Rahab a prostitute. And if he chose his one and only son to be born through this line, that he will choose you for the task and the call that he has appointed upon you, regardless of the past or the situation or the present that you're in right now. The Bible doesn't try to paint a better picture for us. It just tells us the truth. Rahab is the ever-present message of God to you that says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. Isn't God good? Think about how Rahab would have felt this fresh start, this, the sin, the guilt, the condemnation of the past is completely gone. And she is grafted into a new family through faith in God. In Romans chapter five, it reminds us what we've received. It says, therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. And we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person. Though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were yet sinners. While we, while we were utterly helpless, 
God chose us for this place of undeserved privilege, that we can stand, that we reminded of ourselves this morning as we took communion because of Jesus. That's it. We have undeserved favor through Jesus Christ, through the shed blood and the forgiveness of our sins. Whatever giant you're facing, whatever situation you find yourself in, just as Rahab did in these moments, she simply presented herself as a, a willing and an obedient servant in the Lord and just said, yes, I believe. And she was saved. Her family was saved. There's a new hope and a new future through Jesus Christ alone. And we stand to our feet. Just in these last few moments, maybe you're facing uh, something that you've never faced before and you don't know how you're going to get through it. You're a follower of God or maybe you've walked away from the Lord. Maybe you're here today and you came in just to see what would happen with some level of anticipation, recognizing that, God, I need you. I don't know if you're real. I don't know if you exist, but I don't know what else to do. That's the same faith that Rahab, who is listed in the hall of faith, had on that day. She didn't look at her circumstance. She didn't look at her job. She looked at Jesus, even though she couldn't fully see it. She believed by faith that she would be saved. That invitation is open to all of us today. If you're here and you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, would you just wave at me? And if you wanna say, I wanna welcome Jesus into my life today, I wanna put out a red scarlet rope and say, Jesus, I need you, I wanna be saved. I'm in the mud right now, I'm in the pit right now, but I need you, Jesus. If that's you today, would you just give me a quick wave just so I know who I'm praying for? Thank you, Jesus. It is through Jesus Christ alone that we are saved. So God, we just come before you right now. We just say thank you. Thank you for the salvation that is only through you, Jesus. That any guilt or condemnation has been brought to mind is gone because of Jesus Christ. That you've removed our transgressions, our sin. As far as the East is from the West, you've put it out of your memory. And God, when you look at us, you see Jesus. We are washed whiter than snow. Thank you that you purify us, God. Thank you that you're doing a move in our lives right now. Father, I pray for every weary person in this room today, Father. Would you remind them of the power of God, the stories that you have done in their lives, in the lives of people around them, that we would be reminded of the God that we serve is the God who saves. Father, we pray for our family, our friends, and our neighbors, that they would come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ that they would experience the power of your Holy Spirit and the peace and presence that passes all understanding. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.